welcome to Pragmatic Live. I'm Bradley Ormsby with Pragmatic Marketing, and for this episode, we are bringing you part two of the 30-day launch plan. If you haven't heard the podcast for part one, be sure to see the link provided in the description below. So, once again, here's Pragmatic Marketing instructor Dave Daniels, and we hope you enjoy his presentation for part two of the 30-day launch plan. Hey everybody, this is Dave Daniels with Pragmatic Marketing. Welcome to the Launch Clinic Podcast. Today we're going to continue our discussion on the Product Launch 30-Day Plan. So today, I want to talk to you about week two of the 30-Day Plan. And this is all feedback from launch seminar attendees uh, over the last, oh gosh, I don't know, seven years or so now. And uh, what, what we're trying to do here through this 30-day this plan is to come up with a blueprint to help you with your product launch planning. Uh, kind of break it down into some of the essential parts. Um, some of the, the knowledge uh, is, is expected to, to be known by attendees in the launch seminar. So if there's some gaps that you feel you're missing in this content, certainly come see us at, uh, at one of the launch seminars and we'll certainly fill in those gaps for you. Think of this more like a quick start guide, uh, not an absolute, but just, just a way for you to start thinking about how to approach your product launch differently, more strategically. Uh, think about questions to ask the rest of the team, how to get better insights, how to identify constraints and bottlenecks that could, could, could slow you down. And that's, that's what I want you to be thinking about. So let's get started uh, to help you plan a better product launch. Now, last week, if I could sum up weeks one, uh, week one's uh, major focal point is to really be thinking about what are the goals of the launch. So, what what are you focusing on? What are you trying to get accomplished? Now, this week we're going to build on that. So, in the second week, we're gonna we're gonna cover five major things. We're gonna talk about getting to know your buyers. Who are those people? who are the people who are going to be the ones you're trying to reach, the ones who have the problems that you solve, the, the, the people who, who will value your product. The second thing we're going to talk about is building a compelling message. And why is that so difficult for so many technology companies? Three, we'll talk about identifying the launch readiness gaps. So. What is readiness for you anyway? How do you know you're there? How do you know what's missing? Um, what questions should you be asking? The fourth thing is organizing your cross-functional team. Now, I'll be the first to admit that this is a topic we could talk about for hours, but I want to give you some high-level points that could get you started uh, in, in the right direction with your cross-functional team for launch. And finally, I want you to reassess your launch goals based on what you've learned this week. All right, so let's get started. Now, the, the one th criticism I would have for many technology companies is um, they don't do as good a job as they could about getting to know their buyers. And this is something that takes work. And I think what happens is in the, in the, in the fog of war and trying to get everything done, this is an area that's overlooked. It's, uh, you know, hey, let's go talk to the sales team. Let's find out about 
you know, who are the people they're talking to, and then when we, we call it a day. But we don't really do any of the primary research ourselves to, to really get deep understanding of these people and what do they care about. And, and it takes work. It, it requires research. The tool that we use to encapsulate what we've learned about buyers in our target markets is common, commonly referred to as a buyer persona. And many of you have, have heard this term, but I also want to point out that not everybody builds what I would call very effective buyer personas. Think of a, a buyer persona as any person who influences a buying decision for your products and services. So anybody who influences a buying decision. Some of them are pretty important. Some of them are kind of on the periphery. Uh, some of them are influencers from afar. Um, they don't work for your company, but yet they do have an impact. This is what I'm referring to when I'm thinking about buyer persona. And I want you to go much further than the obvious. It's easy to get things like job titles and the kind of companies that they work for and the, uh, the size of those organizations and what geographies they happen to be in or industries that they're in. Those are easy. I want you to go further. <clears throat> I want you to know them like you know your best friend. So when we're thinking about your best friend, think about all the things you know about this individual. You know what they like. You know what they don't like. You know how to make them happy. You know how to really get them fired up very quickly. It's that level of understanding that helps you deliver a much clever, much crisper, much more resonating message to them because you know them so well. You know how to deliver that message to them. The other big advantage that having a buyer persona has for you is in alignment. It helps the entire launch team to understand who is it we're trying to reach, who is it we're trying to influence and engage, and who is it that will ultimately participate in making a buying decision for our products. The better we know them, the better that we can resonate with them, which leads us to the next part of what I want to talk to you about today, which is building compelling messages. Technology companies love to talk about their features. They scream up and down the aisles going, look what we did, look what we built, isn't this cool, this is the coolest thing ever. But the best technology companies love to talk about solving problems. And they love to talk about solving those problems in a way that connects with these with buyers so when they see it, they go, wow, that's something I care about. I want to talk to you more about this. Or how can I get more information? Or, or what can I do to try this product out? And it does a great job of connecting those two. <clears throat> but you can't build a compelling message until you understand who the people are you're trying to influence. Compelling messages what they do is they connect two things. They connect the people you care about influencing and the problems that they personally care about. It's that simple. It's not more complex than that. So who are these people? What are the problems that they care about the most? And how can I make those two connect? We have a process of pragmatic marketing to help you understand how to do that. And that process is referred to as architecture. 
We introduce it in our foundations class. Uh, we spend almost, I'd say, a good hour on it, and we also have a, a full um, group exercise on building architecture and, and a positioning document in our focus class. So there's way too much material there for me to cover in any depth that would do it any service here in, in a short podcast. So I'd encourage you to seek that out if you'd like to learn more if you're involved in that activity. The key here, though, is rather than starting by talking about the features in your product, what you do is you start by talking about the problems that they're having and then what you do to address those problems. And that's basically the essence of architecture. But architecture is a process, there's a technique, and we'll be glad to walk you through that. Now, the third thing I want to talk to you about today is launch readiness. What is launch readiness? Where are the gaps? How do we find them? How do we know? And this is all about uncovering constraints, speed bumps. What are those things that you know are out there that can get in the way of achieving the launch goals? And how can we fix them before they become bigger problems? So what does readiness look like to you? Are there deliverables? Are there activities? How do you prioritize them? Do they vary from launch to launch? One thing that many companies try to do is they try to create a recipe, a formula for product launch that has a bunch of deliverables and activities on it. And maybe you have one of these big recipes. And all it does over time is it creates an accountability gap. And what happens is it's easy to fall back on getting the deliverables done and completing the activities but at the same time, we might lose sight of what the launch goals were all about in the first place. And by starting with the launch goals, it helps us shape what the deliverables should be and helps shape what the activities could be based on the goals of that launch. When you're sitting around the table and you're having the go, no-go meeting, and you go around the room and you ask everybody, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. How about you? Um, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Isn't it amazing how a week later someone who said they were ready magically says, but we weren't ready. So what was your criteria that determined whether everybody was ready or not? Did you do that on a department by department basis? Or did you just use your grand checklist and say, well, everything's done. We must be ready. How does each department in your organization define readiness? It might be quite different than your magic checklist. So a technique that you need to follow is to sit down with representatives of each functional area to help gauge and understand from their point of view what are the most important things and what are the least important things. And from that discussion and negotiation, um, you wind out finding out which of these things are really critical and which ones aren't. And it helps you to, to identify where your speed bumps are, where your constraints are. And it, then it gives you uh, some, some pause to think about who are the people I need to help me address these gaps, these shortcomings. And so by going department by department, what we're able to do is to identify where the gaps are, and then assign the work to close those gaps. And then we have a series of readiness plans that are built 
to make sure that we know here are the here's the criteria we've agreed upon and here's tracking towards that and we know whether we're making progress or not it also gives you a way to triage if you get into that situation inevitably where you've got to launch you've got to get the product out the door but yet certain things are not yet completed you can start prioritizing and thinking about okay what can I set aside what can I get to a week after launch two weeks after four weeks after um, or maybe some things I just decide not to do at all so you're trying to rank your deliverables and activities based on a high medium low criteria high meaning I gotta have these if I don't have them I'm not gonna be successful in supporting the launch we may not achieve our launch goals all the way down to low low would mean love to have them don't need to have them on day one, but as soon as you get them, that would be fantastic. Now let's talk about organizing your cross-functional team. First of all, product launch is a team sport, and that's how I want you to approach this. I don't want you to think like you're the only person on the whole planet that has to figure this out. You have a whole team of experts that are available to you to give you some insight and some guidance because they want you to be successful too. When you think about your, your launch team, and I want you to think cross-functionally here, who's on your team? Think much broader than just products and technologies. Don't forget people like finance and sales and sales operations and legal and other factors that are inside your organization that could be impacted by certainly a very high-profile launch. And it's, it's normal for us to think about, let's get the product done, let's get the word out. But I'm telling you, there's some issues that you got to be on the lookout for, like your salespeople have to know what, they, what they're selling. They have to know why the product's important. They, they need to understand what problems it solves for the people that they're talking to. You also need to make sure, for example, that finance can actually book a deal that one of your salespeople actually closes you know, or, or if it's online that you actually have a SKU and all that's plugged up into your e-commerce system. I know that sounds kind of silly, but, <clears throat> and, and you think, well, that seems obvious, but you'd be amazed at how many times that these kind of problems appear and could cause either internal damage to your organization uh, in terms of your credibility or externally. So who is on your team? I want you to think broad. I want you to think very broad. And if, if it's the first time you're putting a cross-functional team together, um, I would err on having as many represent, representatives as possible in terms of the number of functional areas. But to make it manageable, I would keep it to one individual per functional area. You don't, you don't need teams of people in every single functional area. You don't need three people from finance. You don't need two people from sales ops. Just make sure you have one representative who can actually represent that functional area and knows what's going on. Your goal here is to have optimal readiness. You want to have as few surprises as possible. Right? That, that's what it is. You can't possibly know everything and every individual on your team can't possibly know everything about the other functional areas. And they have interconnects that they may not even realize are occurring and certainly legal has interconnects everywhere so it's very very important to make sure that when you meet uh, with your cross-functional team you actually meet 
I don't mean you have a collection of people you go to and talk to selectively or on a one-on-one -on -one basis. It is a team. They need to interact with each other. And that's where you discover the surprises. You learn things like, for example, oh, our accounting system won't support what you want to do in the next product launch. Oh my, what do we need to do to fix that? Or legal won't allow us to do that because in our line of business, we're regulated and those kind of things are not allowed. Oh, right, so it helps you discover those things incredibly early so you can either address them or find new ways to achieve your launch goals uh, within the con constraints that you have. Don't try to do this in a vacuum. If you do, you're going to get blindsided and you're going to discover some surprises that you never knew were coming. You couldn't possibly anticipate them and you don't want to look foolish. The other thing I want to share with you on managing cross-functional teams, it's like project management on steroids. And here's what I mean by that. Here you, you might be accountable for the success of the launch. And you have all these people whose expertise you need in order for you to be successful. Yet they all have bosses and they have targets they're trying to achieve. Uh, they've got priorities that are subject to change. And they may not all share your exuberance in achieving the launch goal. Part of that is, is organizational and part of that is just reality. And it, it might mean that you have to become a very, very good diplomat in making sure you get things done. Now, what I found uh, useful, and it may be useful for you as well, is to have uh, an individual who can help me manage all the details and uh, while I maintained a higher level of oversight. And for some of you, you already have that group in your organization. You sometimes refer to as the um, project management office or the PMO. So it's, it's good to have somebody who can be the taskmaster and making sure that, that uh, T's are crossed and I's are dotted and things are moving along in, in the proper progression while you can maintain a higher level oversight and see the big picture, making sure you're tracking to, to uh, the launch goals, making sure you're getting that level of readiness that's going to help you achieve the, those launch goals. The, the last thing I want to say about cross-functional teams for launch is, is around accountability. Who's driving the bus? Who's the individual in your organization that you will hold accountable for the success and or failure uh, of the launch. So it, who is that individual? Is it a job title? Is it a person? Um, you, you need to decide. And the only thing I, I want to emphasize here is that if you don't have that individual, if you don't have the accountability, uh, you're subject again to hiding behind the deliverables. I got my piece done, it couldn't be me, it's got to be somebody else. And how can you blame them? Things got done, but who's making sure the right things are getting done in the right order for the right reasons so that you achieve the launch goals? All right, last, last topic of, of this podcast is now that you've done all this work, you've, you've started out last week with getting your launch goals and kind of getting your feet you know, anchored in what you're trying to accomplish. And, and on the second week, you've, you've gone a little deeper into the pool. You, you know, we've taken a look at a couple other areas. 
Um, the last thing I want you to be thinking about now is now that you've learned some possibly new things, should you readjust your launch goals? Right? Is there something new that you've discovered that could have a huge impact on your ability to successfully achieve the launch goals? So, and why should you adjust them? Are there new organizational constraints you've identified that weren't obvious before? And these could be very, very real. Um, there may be infrastructure issues that in order to achieve the launch goals there are certain things you need to do and the infrastructure is not in place in order to make you, allow you to, to track the data that you need. Uh, maybe you don't have the right people skills in place and those people skills are, are desperately needed in order to achieve the launch goals or have any prayer of, of, of making that happen. Or on a positive note, did you underestimate your team's ability? Are you capable of actually achieving more and should you ramp up your launch goals? So now's the time to reflect on what you've learned. Think about what would work, what won't will work, and then make an adjustment or a recommendation to make an adjustment uh, based on what you have. So now you're making your decisions based on facts and evidence, not epiphanies in the shower. So let's wrap it up. I want to talk about a few more things, uh, just kind of tie off the knot for, for this podcast. Is what One is to focus. Don't get distracted from the bigger picture. In big product launches where there is a long planning cycle, and, and I'm talking to some of you who have really big enterprise products in particular, there's a lot at stake and a lot going on, and you're going to have a lot of voices who are saying, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? Stay focused, be anchored in your launch goals, and then drive from there. And just, just ignore all the signs that are on the road that tell you to pull off here when you don't need to pull off. Get a deeper understanding of your buyers. I cannot overemphasize how important this is. It impacts the product, it impacts the promotional activities, it impacts how you sell, it impacts everything about going to market. Know what your buyers care about the most and then connect those issues with your product and deliver a message that connects buyers with their problems so they can see you and go, wow, you get me, you know me, you understand me. Let's sit down and talk. I want to learn more about what you do. And I also want you to build your team and get a good, clear definition of what readiness means for your organization. Make sure you have that documented and make sure you're tracking to it. So at any point along the way, you can always acid test it and say, where are we? Or how are we tracking towards readiness? Are we getting there? Or are we getting further away from there? Oh, and is there anything new we should know that we didn't know before? All right, well, thanks for joining me today. Um, I hope your launch efforts are successful. If you have any product launch questions, just put them in the comments section below, if it's just in general or if it's about this week's uh, content. And don't forget to visit me at uh, the Launch Clinic blog at launchclinic.com. All right, happy launching. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed listening. 
and hopefully you can successfully implement all of this knowledge into your next product launch. For more information about our launch training course, visit the link in the description below and be sure to tune in next week for part three of the 30-day launch plan.